Welcome to the Omni Gamers Club podcast. This is Mark Uesa. And this is Daniel Winter. We're two fans of board games, video games, and much more. So, Daniel, what have you been up to since last time? Well, I've uh, been playing a few miscellaneous things, partly with my, uh, my last board game feast. I was dropping up a few games of Isle of Cats, uh, mostly just solo and a couple of the, the flip and write remote version, it's called. That's a, a pretty great game. You can see my review of that actually on my uh, my YouTube channel now. Uh, otherwise, I was continuing some more games of the Lost Ruins of Arnak, which we discussed last episode, wrapping up the solo campaign of that, which is four missions. Uh, it was pretty predictable as far as the story goes, uh, but I mix, mixed it up quite a bit with the with the mechanically. Uh, each each game is, is changing quite a bit of rules. So that was that was good fun. Nice, yeah. I, I do enjoy how you cover it in such depth. Yeah, and that's why it takes me so long to get the get the videos out. <laughs> yeah, I don't envy you in that regard. And then, of course, you and I played a fun game. Uh, it was an old game to us, but uh, we hadn't played it in a while. Uh, we played uh, Viticulture, right? Yes, just uh, came out on Board Game Arena in beta at the moment, I believe. Yeah, that's a good one. I like it. It's a nice little, you know, medium weight Euro style game. Yeah, a little random in the card draw, I feel sometimes, but uh, it's it's good fun. Uh, you know what? It's no more random than Agricola, right? <laughs> the <laughs> game's all about the cards. But I do enjoy that one, and I enjoy the game that we played. So what uh, what have you been playing on the on the table? Not a lot new, to be honest. I've been playing a lot of um, ongoing games. I've been, of course, playing the game we're going to be talking about later today, and um, actually a lot of uh, a lot of prototype stuff. I've been uh, working on a couple game prototypes. One of them we're in talks with a publisher, so can't say anything about that. But uh, it's been keeping me occupied. So one way to, if you can't play with other people, at least you can uh, work on your own game. Yeah, for sure. I got to get myself occupied. So I thought since we're pretty early in our show run, I thought that maybe we could, um, you know, get to know each other a little bit more, maybe let the listenership know a little bit more about us. So I have a, I have a little pop quiz for you. Is that okay? Oh, yeah. It well, on. it's going to be super short. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be one question. A pop quiz implies there's a right and wrong answer. <laughs> Um, there is no right answer to this. That's whatever you're into, but I'm just going to ask it of you and you can uh, you know, ask something back of me. Sure. All right. Sure. Um, so here goes. Uh, Daniel Winter, what is your favorite game genre? Ooh, I mean, if we're talking board games specifically, uh, then I, I mean, on both degrees, I'd probably lead towards RPGs. I, I lo- I'm a big fan of thematic games, th- theme and lots of flavor text and ex- exploration and dungeon crawling, all that sort of thing. Both in both video games and board games, really. So in, in board games, it generally leans towards the uh, Ameritrash side of things, for lack of a better term. <laughs> in terms of video games, more like the sort of Elder Scrolls ex- exploration heavy RPGs. Right, classic. Right on. Yeah, I, I I also like RPGs. Of course, I've been playing RPGs since like Dragon Warrior on a Nintendo Entertainment System, which has a funny connection to the game we're playing today. Uh, but um, <laughs> you know, Final Fantasies, 2D ones, all up to 3D ones, lots of JRPGs. I played the early Fallout's and of course the newer ones as well. So yeah, definitely Bethesda games. Love those a lot. It's it's a great genre, so I guess you and I both love that one. 
there's some great ways that the that role playing genre has come across in the board game area. So there's the D and D board games, obviously the Castles mm-hmm. of Ravenloft uh, was a one of my my early introductions to, to the board game hobby. Right. Yeah. The uh, um, you mean the the D and D adventure system ones, the ones yes, with the little yeah. tile boards. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I tend to prefer. I love I love those settings, but I tend to prefer having a little more rule, like hard rules rather than the open-ended uh, role-playing systems. Right. And then there's big, you know, massive hits like um, Gloomhaven and stuff, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I uh, never did get around to finishing my Gloomhaven campaign, unfortunately. That's part of the trouble of that genre, even though it's where my heart lies. They're so hard to get to the table consistently. You know what? I'm just going to make a, a super big admission to our, our, our listenership and to yourself is that I... I'm like one of the only people in the world who's never played Gloomhaven. Just sort of like missed out on it at the time that it came out. It's a big commitment. Yeah, maybe I can come in with that new um, Jaws of the Lion version or whatever. Yeah, I, I've not seen that available up here yet, but uh, I've got my eye out for that one. Yeah, so that's a big uh, uh, spot of shame that I have to <laughs> rectify <laughs> with. Currently number one board game on BGG, I believe. <laughs> yeah, at some point, you know, I kind of like, I'm a bit of a curmudgeon and I, I don't really believe in, in the Absolutely, hype train. yeah. I, like sometimes I intentionally avoid the hype train, but uh, you know I can't avoid it forever. It's hard to live up to that. <laughs> His expectations. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. So, Daniel, do you want to tell the listeners what we're going to be talking about today? Yeah. So today we're taking a look at the other side of the Omnigamer coin at our first video game. That is Dragon Quest Builders 2, published by Square Enix and developed by Omega Force, who is a a, a developer I'm not familiar with. I believe they're mostly known for the Dynasty Warriors and the other Warriors series. I was sort of weirded out when I saw the Koei Tecmo logo at the beginning of uh, Dragon Quest Builders. I was like, am I in the right genre here? <laughs> yeah, it's a, a far stretch from uh, those those sorts of games they're usually known for. For sure, yeah. Dragon Quest Builders, uh, of course, um, uh, in the the popular uh, Dragon Quest uh, pantheon of games from um, uh, Square Enix, originally Enix, from way back in the day. And that was my little nod uh, earlier when I said Dragon Warrior. That dra- uh, Dragon Warrior was what they renamed Dragon Quest back in the day on the NES. Aha, yes, I know there was a lot of uh, confusion with the numbering and naming system for those games coming across to the West in the, those early days of the, of the consoles. The dark ages of Western uh, <laughs> console RPGs. Yeah, so I mean, obviously you have a, a history with the series. Have you played any, any of the other games leading up to this? You know what, I, I, I have a little bit. Um, I have played Dragon Quest One all the way through. It's pretty short, actually. It's right here. Yeah, I think I played it all the way through on, because it's just way easier with save states. There was only one place in the world map where you could save the game. Oh, well. <laughs> yeah, those NES games where you had to beat the whole thing in one sitting. <laughs> it's pretty much part of the course. Oh, it was ridiculous. I played a little bit of probably 11. I think that, that one's on Game Pass 2, right? Yes, that just came to Game Pass a few months ago, and that's actually what I've been playing as my first introduction to the series. I I've beat the main game, but there's a lot of post game that's to get the true ending that I'm currently working my way through, and it is definitely not a short game. It it goes on and on. 
Wow, I'm impressed. I've I've played the, the first two hours of that game like three times because I keep uh, jumping to different platforms. So <laughs> <laughs> if, 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 if you give it the thumbs up, I will play through some more of it. It's a great game. Uh, it's a pretty standard GRPG as far as story and mechanics, but the, the polish on it is pretty incredible. Uh, so many quality of life features. I mean, at this point, I'm basically letting the game play itself. <laughs> it is, this is like an auto battle system that's got pretty good AI. So it's a good uh, multitasking game that I've been slightly working my way through. Yeah, actually, I should totally do that while I'm on the exercise bike. Like that's a, <laughs> that's where I get most of my video gaming, console gaming is, is on the exercise bike. So I should just do that. I'll just let it run. Of course, Dragon Quest XI and all of the games in the in the series have the beautiful um, Akira Toriyama art, uh, uh, Akira Toriyama of Dragon Ball fame. Oh, I didn't know that. I'm not a uh, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a Dragon Ball neophyte. I'm, I'm afraid. <laughs> Uh, he just, you know, does the concept art, right? For every every single one, I think. Oh, wow. Dragon Quest Builders 2 came out worldwide in mid-2019, it looks like, originally on Nintendo Switch and PS4. It came out a little bit later on PC, and then only recently, it's only come out in May of 2021 on Xbox. It must have come out day and date on the um, Game Pass. It did, yeah, and that's why uh, I've been playing it. <laughs> What style of game is this, um, Daniel? I mean, as the name uh, would imply, it is a building game. So something akin to Minecraft. It's a what do you call? No, not quite a voxel, a pixel-based. So a lot, of, a lot of blocks, basically building blocks on top of one another uh, to create houses. Uh, you're fighting monsters. I remember playing the original Dragon Quest Builders on PS Vita. I love that system. I, I can't say I got super into it. I played probably a dozen hours of the original. So it's an action RPG, low on the action, and sort of balances that out with creative block building. But unlike uh, more open form games like Minecraft, I think there's a lot more um, completing quests and fulfilling objectives. Yeah, it's definitely very much quest and story focused, uh, very very linear in that sense too. I don't think, I think the game is preset there's no like randomization in how the world is set up it's you're basically going to be running through the same sequence of events every time in the same layout uh though i I do like the analogy one of my favorite video game reviewers patrick Klapik, has made an interesting analogy about uh lego compared to video games in that you can get two you've got two different types of sets you've got your creative set it's just a big tub of random blocks and you can just go hog wild on creating whatever you like versus the designed kits that are very much in vogue right now where you're building a very specific set and that's definitely dragon quest builders definitely falls in the ladder there where you're following a very pre-designed set of of constructions it's a a charm to that i've always preferred that style of game to be honest yeah, that's actually a really good analogy. I mean, they literally give you like blueprints in this game, right? They're sort of like the really strong tutorial, as in really heavy-handed tutorial, and then you you get into the main world. I'll just say it sort of culminates in them literally handing you this um, blueprint, and you have to fulfill it, just like a, a Lego a schematic. Like you have to have X Y Z blocks. Uh, you have to have eight walls and one door and one crate but you, you the thing is you can have some agency in how you like where you put that in your town like where the actual blueprint is going you have some agency and then you, there's also 
you can go further in how you're going to decorate that beyond what the base blueprint is. So I, I found there is some uh, agency in how you express yourself beyond those basic blueprints. Right. Yeah. So I think that's the central sort of the sort of loop of that game is that after the the main tutorial area, they send you to the main part of the world. And from there on in, it's pretty much open world, right? Like you, I think you can access all parts of the world from there on in, sort of like Breath of the Wild, I guess. But there's several sort of gates in place, as not literal gates, but mechanical gates. And most of that's driven by your recipes. So you have to fulfill quests to unlock more recipes to build more things which let you fulfill more quests, which unlock more recipes. And each of these, each set of progressions that you make allow you to um, access more different things. And some, a lot of the quests you can't even start unless you, you know, have unlocked the recipes from the previous uh, tier, I guess. They wanted to gamify what could be otherwise a very open-ended experience. Yeah, I, d I do enjoy that in some regards. You see games like Minecraft or even uh, Stardew Valley, for example, that are very much more open-ended. But everyone who plays those games basically has to rely on third-party websites to research how do you build XYZ? How do I befriend this person? How do I... Like, there are tabs within tabs of, of things that people have open trying to learn the game, whereas this spells everything out and makes you do it. It doesn't just give you tooltips. It makes you practice out those steps one at a time to make sure you know how to do this before introducing you to the next one. And so I, I, th I think there's definitely some charm in that as you do everything's within the game. But I, it, at the same time, it is very heavy, as you say, and I think most people would have their patience tested at some point. So I, I can tell how this is going to go down, but spent half an hour spelling it out in minute detail. <laughs> yeah, there is a bit of tension between like, it's trying to be two things, right? It's trying to be very open world. And then it's very, it's trying to be very like narrative driven. So I don't think the game really ever escapes that like it just kind of ping pongs back and forth between those two things you're often going to be sort of sitting somewhere between there. I found that there were some sort of sequences where you completed a quest and it opened up something else and it, you just completed a bunch of quests, bang, 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 and it felt like you're making a lot of progress. And then I felt like there were whole, you know, long periods where it felt very dry, like it was sort of unintuitive what you were supposed to do next. Did you find that? Yeah, I'm I've currently hitting a, hitting a bit of a wall right there right now because one one issue I have found is in terms of the quest it gives you, there's not really a clear way of there's no like quest log or anything. You basically just have to remember what they told you or go back to that person and ask them again. There's no real UI menu spelling out exactly what it's what it requires of you. Part of me respects that sort of like in-world quest giving. Uh, it's very old school, right? It's not at all like modern MMO or even like a Skyrim or something where you have the journal and, you know, it, it gives you the uh, map points or anything like that or, you know, crosses off the steps that you have to take. It, it's very, very much missing all of that, which does feel pretty old school um, and is a little aggravating at points. Like it sort of shackles you in a lot of ways from doing going off rails but it also doesn't really support you along the way in some of these quests. 
So uh, once it gets into the open world, you, you set up a, a sort of a central, like an outpost, right? You set up a, a central town, and there is a cast of um, supporting characters. Um, one of them befriends you right away, and is actually your like constant companion. Um, I forget forget his name. I think it's like Mal Malroth or something like that. That's it, Malroth. Yeah, and actually, this is a huge improvement from Dragon Quest Builders One. Just having that guy there. So if you attack monsters, he attacks monsters. If you start chopping down trees, he starts chopping down trees. It, it really alleviates some of the sort of the loneliness that I felt in in the first Dragon Quest Builders. It cuts down on some of the the grinding, uh, but also yeah, it's a good little uh, companion. So it's not lonely exploration. Yeah, he, and he doesn't get in your way, which is um, which is the important thing too. And then, of course, there's an, a, a cast of characters. I won't go through them all, but you know, essentially, the goal is you're trying to rebuild this town. There is some sort of nods to existing Dragon Quest games, and the side characters are pretty cute. So I think that this one's actually based on Dragon Quest II. Uh, I, I was seeing, which I don't think many of the characters are direct analogs from there, except Malroth is quite explicitly the villain from that game. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, there, there's some... Uh, the game doesn't make it explicit, but there are a lot of nods to that. You, you, I think you're supposed to know, basically, that he's definitely not the Dark Lord with amnesia. Uh, so yeah, there's some interesting tension there with, like, you obviously know that he's bad, but he doesn't know it himself. Uh, but there's a lot of other supporting characters as well uh, that are pretty much... Most of them don't have a lot of character, necessarily. They're, they're pretty stereotyped. Yeah, for sure. There's like Hercule from Dragon Ball and there's like um, Adare-chan from Dr. Slump and stuff like that in there. That just, <laughs> just, I just call them that from all of uh, uh, Toriyama's other mangas. And of course, you got a little doggy, you got a little doge in there, who, which is lovely. I love when you unlock that guy. Yes, yeah, always nice having pets. So I don't think they uh, follow you around once you have brought them back to the town. They just stay in the town. You can't really take them out with you, unfortunately. <laughs> Yeah, I think you can take the dog out, but yeah, all the other characters other than Malroth do stay in your town. They can do some chores for you. I found this a little bit obtuse as well. Like I couldn't figure out for the life of me how to make my townsfolk tend to my fields, which they promised they could do. And I, I tried and I tried and I tried and I tried and I tried, but I didn't realize it until like super late, like, you know, 20 hours in or something that you can actually uh, click the um, the scarecrows and program them to populate those fields with, <laughs> oh, <laughs> yes. with the stuff. Did you realize that? Yes, no, I've been using that quite a bit. Like once once you do set up those those rules, that the AI helpers are really helpful and cut down on a lot of the busy work, but they're quite fiddly in what they require to have set up in order to follow those rules. So yeah, so having the, having the scarecrows and the fencing and the soil and the water and, and everything lined up. Uh, I mean, the the, the the quests do spill that out quite explicitly, but if you're starting to get bored of that and clicking through the the the, 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 uh, the text a little too fast, it's easy to skip, I guess. <laughs> I do tend to skip through a lot of the a lot of the dialogue. That said, there are some you know clever touches. Basically, the flow of the game is that you're trying to upgrade your town through these like upgrade tiers, and your town can sort of earn um, experience points. And you earn experience points by making the townsfolk happy. 
uh, that's a little slow going at first. You got to do a lot of individual sort of favors for individual um, members uh, of your community. I think you start off with like, what, two or three people in your town, right? Eventually, you, you end up getting quite a, quite a lot, like a couple dozen, I feel like. And there are more opportunities for um, automation. So not only do you get to build um, fields of like various different types of crops, you get to build like kitchens, and then you get, a, get to set up tables uh, where you can lay out bowls of stuff. The characters will even like eat the food that somebody else cooked for, for them automatically. Uh, so you get to have that all hands off. And, you know, the thing I lo- love most about this game is when I wake up in the morning and you know, I walk over to the food table and I see all the townsfolk lined up and they're chowing down and they leave like this mountain of like heart symbols, right? <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a great little engine. Uh, once you've got the, the town set up and everyone's following their little routines, it's all quite dynamic uh, and and run smoothly and automates a lot of the, t- the busy work that you'd otherwise be having to do. So it's, it's quite a good system of, of making you learn how to do things yourself. But before you get bored of it, it, it allows you the options of having that automated for you by your, uh, by your townsfolk. I, I did appreciate the automation eventually. It wasn't initially very clear how you went about some of those things. I mean, maybe that's my impatience. Maybe I should have just read through the descriptions very carefully. But there were some little annoyances like that, and it took me a bit of doing to get used to some of the mechanisms. So, other criticisms I had were uh, the the blueprints. There's not so many of them in the games. Most of the things are, are very simple. Put a room with these three things in them. But by the time it gets to make a room with these six things in them, I found that pretty annoying because like it, you never had it where it would put up a list of those you know, in the side of the screen so you can easily track what it is you needed to collect. Right, yeah. I mean, it gets so much worse than that. I'm currently building a pub that requires like 20 items. <laughs> uh, and you're trying to tabbing back in and out of the blueprint menu to try and figure out what needs to go where it can be a little fiddly. There's much smaller scale games that have uh, UI niceties like that. I think um, there's one called, it's also on, on Game Pass. It's called Forager. Did you ever try that one? I played a little bit of that one, yeah. Yeah, like even Forager, even a very simple, I think it's a one-person operation, has little UI helpers to help you know what else you have to collect in a list. If that game can do it, Dragon Quest Builders could do it, and um, I think it's sorely lacking. There are little icons above, like if you're looking at the, the types of items you can create, there are little icons above the ones that you need for your current blueprint. Uh, so that, that has been helpful. So I can just scroll through, look for that icon, make X number of that. Uh, it's more like try, when you're trying to figure out where they need to go, it can be a little fiddly tabbing in and out of the, the menu screen. Um, because you can only see, a, in terms of in the world, you only see the flat blueprint on the floor and the you don't really see the 3D model unless you're tabbing in and out of the screen. What I would have liked, to be honest, is once you've built something using the blueprint, is the ability to copy that blueprint if you like to deploy that blueprint somewhere else, uh, rather right. than having to just look into the list, okay, this blueprint requires these items and creating it yourself, just make things streamline things a little bit. It'd be nice to just have that blueprint or even like have it build a, a, a prefab version of that once you've done it the first time. Yeah, yeah, it really could have used a lot of quality of life improvements like that, that so many more modern crafting games have, you know, kind of down pat. 
I think Dragon Quest Builders 3 could definitely learn from a few other similar titles. Speaking of that, do you want to move into the similar games portion? Sure, let's go ahead. So off the bat, there's a Dragon Quest Builders 1. Did you play Builders 1? Yeah, why well, you mentioned that you'd played it on Vita, which I actually did briefly myself, but I think I only had the demo. I never even got through that. Mm. <laughs> I, I didn't find it particularly intuitive. Uh, and and the, 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 the model of, the, of that first game, I believe, was just you build a town... And then once you once you finish that quest for build that town, you just move on to a completely new town and abandon the old one, which just felt pretty uh, anticlimactic in terms of losing what you just built. Whereas this new one has made some improvements in the overall uh, structure of the game, in that you're continuing to go back to those towns to collect resources and to do other side quests. Right. Yeah. I I don't have a lot of strong memories about Builders 1, but I feel like the exploration angle was a little bit stronger in that game. But maybe that's just rosy colored glasses on on that one. Um, Exploration game's not too bad on on this new one. That's it. I haven't explored it all. Yeah. I mean, there are things to to find. There's little uh, shrines with puzzles to solve. There's chests with unlockable cosmetic items. Uh, But it's, it's, it's... going to be the same sort of things like you, you if, those, if those don't really matter to you <laughs> exploring doesn't isn't going to serve you much yeah you know what the shrines the the puzzle shrines were some of my favorite parts of this game but i felt like the rewards were super anticlimactic like what yeah. are those what do those medals do for you anyway you do trade them t- in for other cosmetic items <laughs> oh okay so nothing <laughs> nothing super exciting <laughs> uh and then the other big game like the uh, 600 pound gorilla is minecraft Right, yes. cannot cannot escape that comparison. <laughs> Are you a big Minecraft player? I've I've played, I've dabbled uh, in my time. Uh, never consistently. I always end up with big plans for <laughs> what I want to do in that game, and then just get bored. Uh, I don't really have the the self direction uh, that it requires. It, you really have to create your own goals in that game. Uh, I mean, what what's there is is beautiful. Like I, I just love being in that world with the music and the the sort of it's pretty chill vibes <laughs> when you when you're not cave diving at least, but uh, there's not much to do unless you're actually creating specific goals for yourself. Yeah, I never really got into Minecraft. I think I think it was just a little old at the time that it came out. Um, I actually had the Minecraft beta uh, before it blew up, but never got into it. Uh, my son's super into it now as much as any nine-year-old is. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, even he, like, gets bored unless he's playing with friends. It is like a pile of Legos, right? It's just, like, have fun with your pals and make your own fun. So I can appreciate that. Oh, it's absolutely a time and place. I mean, I'm so blown away with some of the creations that people have made in there, like recreating the cities from Game of Thrones or the Eiffel Tower. is <laughs> like, a lot of creative creativity goes into that. I just don't have the mind for it myself. But I'm for looking sure. forward to my my daughter getting into it, and I can just be her pack mule. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I, I think I have the same feeling about Minecraft as you do. So do not count us as experts. We are not Minecraft experts. Take this for what you will. I was more attracted to builders myself because it did have those quest elements and the you know story driven aspect to it. Another series that this reminded me of, uh, definitely the, the farming parts, was a game series called Rune Factory. Do you know that one? I've heard of it. I keep meaning to, to check that out. To my understanding, Rune Factory is the um, sort of fantasy RPG spinoff of the Harvest Moon 
slash Story of Seasons um, games. And I've played a couple of versions of it. I think there's like four or five. It's the Harvest Moon formula, except there are caves and you and forests, and you can kill monsters and collect their their parts and craft things out of them. So, you know, very much in, in the spirit of the Dragon Quest builders. And I think maybe a little bit more in depth, too. Definitely on the RPG side. Huh, I'll have to check that one out. <laughs> yeah, there's a few of those. Definitely on, you know, the Nintendo systems, like the DS and, and stuff like that. It's right. been a while. I was never big into the, the handheld uh, RPGs. I, I missed that generation entirely. Mm, yeah, there's there's some good stuff there. And then the last title I could think of that really reminded me of Builders uh, was My Time at Porsche. You played a bunch of that, right? Yes. Yeah, that was uh, one of my first big games while I was uh, when I had my newborn daughter uh, up at 3 a.m. On, on those night shifts. Uh, it's a great game for... I, I like to think of it as a good sort of Skinner box game. It's it's you basically it's it's more about generating resources rather than actually building towns. It's it's more about build. Uh, you you have your forge and your leatherworking station, and you're setting up these resource mills. Basically, like they're all on timers, I think, from memory. Um, and so you have row after row of all these machines building these resources that you can plug into a bigger machine to make a different resource so it's, it's very much more uh in the sort of factory production line style of gameplay yeah for sure it's 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 a lot heavier on the crafting side um like literal crafting of um items and, and machines as opposed to you know bricks to to stack on top of each other to you know, a slightly different philosophy as, as as far as building games go um i really enjoy uh, my time at porsche i mean i got a bit bored of it after the first in-game year or so, but part of me wants to go back to that game because uh, the characters are really charming. The world is really well thought out. It's got a very sort of like Euro quality to the design. I don't know if the designers are Euro, but it just sort of feels that way. Euro jank. (laughs) Euro jank, yeah, Euro crust to it in a a charming, cute way. (laughs) And I just think the mechanisms are a little more intriguing. There's a lot more of those you know, quality of life niceties in that game and a lot more surprises. Uh, and the narrative is stronger. Uh, the, you know, that game has a, a very strong like dating simulator simulator yes. aspect to it as well. <laughs> love, love it or, or lump it. Uh, there's that. Uh, and there's a lot of exploration aspects to that. So I got to say builders two, I did not love it as much as my time at Porsche, but you know, I got, I got 20 plus hours out of it. So I think it was uh, a worthy experience. Not bad. Well, I, I mean, I, I don't think I ever finished my time at Porsche, uh, it, but it, it was perfect for those sort of, not, not say it's a mindless game, but it's good for when you're like multitasking, like I, having a, a YouTube game, basically <laughs> both, both of those games, both um, Dragon Quest Builders and my time at Porsche sort of fill that, that hole for me to allow uh, sort of mindlessly, plug resources into machines while I watch uh, YouTube on the other screen. Uh, but I, I actually quite am enjoying Dragon Quest Builders uh, at this point. I, I'm gonna, I intend to, to, continue, to continue playing it, see how the loop goes. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's been good fun. So Daniel, before we wrap this up, are there any other thoughts you have about Dragon Quest Builders 2? Yeah, well, what, one interesting facet I found was the in the actual story. It's, it's I mean, In some ways, it's, it's pretty rote. So you're just fighting monsters, building up your town. But there is a bit of uh, backstory there in terms of the 
the, the forces of evil have banned the active building and you're coming in fresh eyed and bushy tailed trying trying to start up the uh the, the art of building again and interestingly like most of the the human characters are completely sided with the forces of evil and like see it as a sin to be building in any way uh and there's some tension there in in trying to convince them to come to your side uh, i found like I, I found it quite interesting that some, some of the evil characters are so like bored of of, of the state of things that they're actually quite keen to try building just to see what it's what it's like uh one of like one of the, my favorite characters i think was pastor owl who ends up being quite one, one of the more interesting characters i think and just gets really into building <laughs> uh but then there are others though that it almost feels like a bit of uh some like cult terminology <laughs> like the way you're converting the the, the townsfolk from the, from the forces of evil to, to your, some, someone calls it the church of, of your of your player name. The wording is a bit unfortunate. It's like you're basically saying, oh, well, you're a farmer. You have to build, right? You have no choice but to come on my farm and uh, and, and dig for me and perform manual labor. So some of that's a little uh, a little strange. But I did find it interesting, the whole, they deal with using destruction in a creative way, like, Malroth, who is ostensibly the, the the evil lord, but he's helping you, helping you build and and learning to appreciate that. I, I also liked Pastor Al. He's like straight up one of the baddies from from the Dragon Quest series, like the long running baddies. Like I could recognize his silhouette from you know uh, two miles <laughs> away. Uh, and then there's you know the Drakies, and then there's the. Um, there's the pot-bellied uh, rats, and uh, you know, I, I gotta admit, I got a soft spot for the Dragon Quest monsters. Right? They're so cute. Um, they're just so charming. The little blue slimes. Uh, they're just the best. Yeah, the I mean, the character design is, is really is. I mean, it's translated com- directly from the uh, main Dragon Quest games, obviously. Uh, but uh, whereas something like Minecraft is everything is in blocks, the characters and monsters in Dragon Quest Builders are like. The, the regular models so you really they're really crisp uh great character art yeah for sure they do look really sharp well well there you there you have it folks i think we covered the games pretty well uh sounds like daniel's going to go back for another bite at the apple of builders 2 I, I might switch over to my time at porsche <laughs> to be honest but um i think those are very much in the same similar vein so if you liked one, you'll probably like the other, or at you least want to check him, right? <laughs> I I do I do like some of those folks on that island. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that brings this episode's game club to a close. So, uh, Mark, what are we going to be talking about next episode? Yeah, well, we're definitely talking about a board game. I think we're going to be doing the alternate alternating strategy there. So uh, last time was Arnak, this time was Dragon Quest Builders Two, and I think next time we're going to be talking about. Beyond the Sun. Yes, the relatively new game from Rio Grande came out earlier this year, I believe, and we've both played a little bit of it on uh, Board Game Arena, but we'll be definitely diving into that quite a bit more. Yeah, for sure. I need to play it again to you know get a good sense of it. I've played it uh, you know, a handful of times. Um, yeah, it's enjoyable. I, I won't spill too much of the beans <laughs> before we talk about it. But uh, yeah, if anyone listening wants to follow along, go check that game out. It's available on Board Game Arena to play right now. So until next time, this has been Mark Uesa. This is Daniel Winter. And 
We will see you soon. Game on. <laughs> we need a catchphrase. We need a catchphrase. Let's work on a catchphrase. Bye. Bye.